Welcome to the Gerald Brooks Leadership Podcast, a deep dive into biblical leadership with pastor and author, Dr. Gerald Brooks. Hi, this is Pastor Gerald Brooks. Thank you so much for joining me for another podcast. Hey, I'm excited about some upcoming events that are happening. Uh, literally next week, I'll be in the Orlando area doing a roundtable. There is a great group of pastors and leaders coming out. And I want to invite you uh, that it's not too late. You can go to my webpage, GeraldBrooksMinistries.com, and figure out exactly uh, where it is and how to sign up. Also, I'll be in Albuquerque, New Mexico, that very first part of March. And then uh, a little bit down, I will be in uh, Rancho Cucamonga and the L.A. Basin. And then I will be taking a trip over to the Atlanta area. So I have four roundtables coming up, and we have great groups of pastors and leaders in each one of them. It's amazing how many business people are starting to just uh, come and be a part. So just put those on your radar screen. Uh, today, I want to take a minute and I want to talk to you about what if leadership was a football game? What if leadership was a football game? Now, I need to pause just for a second because I realize that this podcast goes all over the world and there's a chance that someone in a different country uh, wouldn't quite know what I'm referring to when I talk about football. Now, football in the United States is not the same thing as soccer. It's a little bit different game. Uh, and it involves a game where there are four quarters that there are four 15 minute periods in it. And these four 15 minute periods, uh, begin to consolidate together to create the whole game. And so, uh, whatever you imagine, how you score, how you don't score in whatever sport you love, uh, just take it over to four quarters because that's what I'm going to talk about. Um, Paul in his writings repeatedly used sports metaphors. It was just amazing how many times he would use sports as the bridge to convey spiritual thought and spiritual development. He recognized that if he took something everyone knew, that he could use that as the blackboard to illustrate principles and make applications to things that they did not know. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 27, he uses the illustration of a runner. And he talks about how you run and the intensity which which you run and the discipline required to run. And he's basically describing a high effective runner, someone who would compete in what we would call the Olympics. But then if you go over to 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 8 and 9, he uses three metaphors together that are all sports related. He talks about how that when we run, that uh, there are times when we're perplexed. And that word perplexed referred to wrestling and uh, how that in wrestling, uh, there are times when someone has you in a certain grip and you have to reverse it. And it is the reverse of that grip that you need. But if you don't know the reverse techniques, you are perplexed. It was taken from wrestling. He talks about how we are knocked down, but we're not knocked out. Uh, 
that was taken from boxing, that the boxing arena of someone who's taken a shot on the chin, they've fallen down. He talks about how uh, we are basically confronted on every side. And that was a running term that when all of a sudden you're running and you're running with a large group of people and there's someone in front of you, there's someone beside you, there's someone behind you. And then on the other side that you're boxed in and it's that runner that doesn't seem to have a way out. So he uses running metaphors. He uses wrestling metaphors. He uses boxing metaphors and he used those because people understood them. And in Corinth, He used them because every seven years, I believe, uh, they would have their version of the Olympic Games. And so athletes would come from all over and they would compete. Well, if you'll just take that use of metaphors to illustrate spiritual truth, I just want to ask the question, what if leadership was a football game? What if leadership was a football game? Again, there are four quarters. There's the first quarter, second quarter, there's then halftime, then there's the third quarter, and then there's the fourth quarter. They're competing in four quarters. Halftime is where they get a 15-minute break, but in 15-minute segments, first quarter, second quarter, 15-minute halftime where they're not competing, and then third quarter, fourth quarter, 15-minute segments. And that being said, you have all of those segments. What if leadership was just like that? Let me illustrate. Here's what I can tell you. You don't get to play in the first quarter unless you've practiced. I've never run across a coach who didn't look at his team and say how your practice will determine if you play. Because your ability to practice and perform in moments of life that everyone doesn't see are the ones that prep you to be able to perform in the areas that people will see. And I believe very, very much that the first quarter in leadership, that very first quarter that you don't even get to get into the game and truly play unless you have practiced, unless you are prepared. Now, Paul talks about it this way in 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 12. He makes this statement. It says, He hath enabled me who hath considered me faithful. Notice what it says. He enabled me. He gave me ability, but he considered me faithful. See, until you're faithful, You really don't see the pronounced hand of God and the enabling of God upon what you're doing. You have to be faithful. And what we know is, is that faith is when we can trust God. But faithfulness is when God can trust us. See, one of the things God looks at each one of our lives is that he looks and he says, can I trust you? Can I trust you with the three gifts that I've given you? Can I trust you with time that you will give me your best time? Can I trust you with your talent that you will use your best talent for me? Can I trust you with your treasure that you will give your best treasure to me? And God just wants to know if we will be faithful. What do we know? Moreover, it is required of a steward that they be faithful. See, Faithfulness is what gets you in to the first quarter. 
faithfulness, the willingness to prepare, the willingness to practice, the willingness to put in place the skills that will be needed to compete and to compete effectively. So what goes on here is in the first quarter, it's really about faithfulness. Will you be faithful? Will you be faithful to practice? Will you be faithful to prepare? Will you be faithful? So faithfulness is what gets you into the first quarter. But then you run into the second quarter. And you don't get to play in the second quarter unless you can execute. Unless you can execute. Remember that illustration from 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 27? It's the example of a runner. And he says, we don't run as someone who's just beating the wind, someone who's just flailing out there. What we know is that running has its own technique, that there's a cadence to running, that there is a way that you run, a a posture, a stature that you run in, that there is a way that you move your arms. And what is Paul saying in 1 Corinthians 9? If you're going to run, you've got to execute running well. See, you don't get to play in the second quarter unless you execute. And here's what I want to say. The only difference between good and great is your ability to repeat it continually. It's not whether you can be good one day and then uh, six months later be good. It's whether you can be good repeatedly. And if you can be good repeatedly, if you can execute good, whatever that looks like in your life, whatever is required in your life, if you can execute good, if you can do that repeatedly, time after time, moment after moment, if you can do that, what happens is someone will look at you one day and they'll say, you're great. See, the only difference between someone who's good is that good is usually occasional, but great is repetitive. You are good every moment. So imagine if someone's practiced well, but they're only good every three plays in the game. Well, what is the coach going to do? He says, I can't put you in if you can't execute on a high level continually. Can you do it over and over? Discipline is the ability to do what you do not want to do when you do not want to do it. See, it takes no discipline to do what you want to do when you want to do it. Discipline is the ability to do what you do not want to do. Man, I don't want to do this. I don't want to get up today. I don't want to pray today. I don't want to study today. I don't want to think today. I don't want to learn more today. I don't want to do this today. Discipline is the ability to do what you do not want to do when you don't want to do it. Man, I just don't feel like this. I don't feel good. I just don't feel like this is what I want to keep doing. I just don't feel like. Discipline is the ability to do good repeatedly, to do what you don't want to do when you do not want to do it. 
So if leadership were a football game, what we know is in the first quarter, it's about faithfulness. Can you practice and can you prepare? But in the second quarter, it's about discipline. Can you do good repeatedly? Can you do the habits and the behaviors that make you better continually? Can you do that? Can you do that? But if you make it through the first quarter where you're faithful, in the second quarter where you're disciplined, you get to halftime. Now, halftime is a little bit different because halftime is when you get to breathe and halftime is when you get to take a break and halftime is when you get to consider and halftime is when you get to say, uh, I'm focused and, and halftime is when you begin to make adjustments. See, a lot of people want to get into the first quarter and the second quarter, and they want to change everything. But halftime's when you make the adjustments. So what halftime is, is your ability to adjust. In Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 21, it says, be perfect as he is perfect. And it says that he hath made us perfect. Now, I don't know about you. I'm not perfect. I make a whole lot of mistakes, and I'm pretty sure you're not perfect. But that word perfect doesn't mean without flaw. In the Greek, it is the word adjust. It says that we're perfect in the sense that we're constantly adjusting. See, halftime is when you make adjustments. Halftime is when you begin to make some adjustments. You begin to adjust a few things in your life. You get to figure out a few things in your life. So let's look at this game. First quarter, it's about faithfulness. Can you be faithful? Moreover, it's required of a steward to be faithful. Can you be the person God trusts? Are you going to live your whole Christian life just saying, hey, uh, I want to trust God. But faith, trusting him, That's easy because he's faithful, but God wants to know if he can trust you. Will you be faithful? Will you be faithful when it feels like it doesn't matter? Will you be faithful in things that you think are unimportant? Will you be faithful? But if you're faithful, then you get to be disciplined. And discipline is the ability to repeat habits over and over and over again. It is the ability to pray when you don't want to pray, to study when you don't want to study, to learn when you don't want to learn, to practice when you don't want to practice. It is the ability to repeat. Can you do that? And then at halftime, you make some adjustments. You look back over where you've been faithful and you look back over where you've been disciplined And you say, hey, here's where I can make some adjustments, where I can up my game and I can get better. But that brings us to the third quarter. And the third quarter is you've got to figure out what works and do it. You've got to figure out what works and do it. Now, in football, this means that sometimes the opposing team, when they're on offense, has run some plays that uh, maybe your defense wasn't totally uh, able to adapt to. And because they weren't at halftime, you begin to adapt to those plays. But then you look and you say, well, there's a few things we did on offense that we did really, really well. See, in the third quarter, you figure out what works 
And when you figure out what works, you figure out how to do that just a little bit better. So when it comes to our lives, one of the things that we find out is that in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, that God gives different gifts to different people. And even though the gifts are uh, similar, that someone may be a pastor, someone may be this, someone may be that, uh, that the gifts are similar, God says it's not only the gift that's given, but it's the administration, how that gift is overseen. And then the diversity of the gift, how God begins to flow his anointing through. So what I can tell you is there's a whole lot of pastors out there, but every pastor doesn't administer his gift the same way. Every pastor doesn't have the same mixture of gifts within his gift calling that every other pastor has. And so you get to figure out what works. How does God use you? How does God use you? What is it that you do that helps God to use you? And you begin to figure out what works. See, I'm thrown into a whole lot of settings because I'm not limited to one group. I speak into groups that are denominations, and I speak into groups that are non-denominations. I speak into the groups that will be predominantly one race, and then I'll speak into groups that will be a totally different race. But you know what I've had to learn? No matter where I am, there is a way that God uses me. And sometimes I'll go to conferences where I've been asked to speak, and there will be uh, major communicators who articulate at the highest level, and they can take nothing and make it sound brilliant. Well, that's not my gift. I'm not a preacher. I'm not a loud orator. But what I am is I'm a teacher. And I've had to learn that God will take my pastoral gift, and my teaching gift, and my gift of teaching leadership, and he will use that in profound ways. You have to find out who God made you to be. You have to find out how God asked you to be, and you have to be that and let God hone it and shine it up and make it better and better. So in the third quarter, you figure out what works, and you do it. Who has God made you? How has God made you to do it? In the fourth quarter, you begin to understand that it's in the fourth quarter that you've got to win the game. It's in the fourth quarter that you have to win the game. Now, I've spent a whole lot of time teaching leadership, and I've told you that uh, one of the most profound uh, lessons I ever ran across that changed my uh, life was by a professor out at Fuller, Robert Clinton. And Robert Clinton did an analysis of leadership in the Bible, and he said that there are 300 leaders that we are given detail about in the Bible. There are thousands of leaders that are mentioned, 300 that we're given detail about. But then he made this statement, He said, of those that were given detail about, only 25% of them finished in the will of God. 75% of them did not win in the fourth quarter. They didn't get to the end of the game in successful service to God. Now, when I first heard that, that rocked my life. Because here's what I knew. All of those individuals were sincere. All of them wanted to get to the end of life in the will of God. 
but only 25% did. So if that's true, why do I suppose that I'm going to be different than the 75% and be in the 25%? It made me begin to take a deep look inside. See, just because you make it to halftime, it doesn't mean that you win the game. It's who wins the fourth quarter that wins the game. See, games are won in the fourth quarter. Games are won in the fourth quarter. Paul put it this way when he was talking about his journey in Acts chapter 20. He is given some information about some hard times that await him. And he makes this statement. He said, uh, none of these things move me that I might finish my course with joy. He wanted to finish. He wanted to finish. See, if you take ministry, I'm in the fourth turn right now at my age. I'm not in the home stretch. I'm in the turn because I still have some time ahead of me. I've been successful in being faithful. I've been successful in being disciplined. I've been successful in making adjustments and I've been successful in figuring out what works and how God uses me. But now I got to finish. And what I know is finishing isn't easy or everyone would finish. So when it comes to finishing, what do we need to know? Here's what we know in football. The best depth which team has the best depth will always show up in the fourth quarter. As they like to say, as sportscasters, those one and two yard runs in the first quarter begin to be five and six yard runs in the fourth quarter. Why? Because the fourth quarter challenges your depth. How deep are you? How deep have you gone? And what the best depth means is that in a football game, someone's going to have to step up. They're going to have to play better in the fourth quarter than any other time. The fourth quarter isn't when you coast. The fourth quarter is when you're at your best. So the best depth, have you created depth? Have you created spiritual depth, mental depth? Have you created physical depth? Have you created it? It's not only the best depth, but it's the best desire. See, in a football game, people have been literally running into each other now for 45 minutes. Everyone is tired in the fourth quarter. It's not about being tired. It's about desire. Do you have the desire to finish? And so the fourth quarter involves depth. Have you built depth into your life? The fourth quarter involves desire. Have you created the desires in your life? When you're dead tired, when you have every reason to stop, do you have the desire to keep going? And it's in the fourth quarter that you have to have your best discipline. And this is what we said before, the ability to do what you need to do when you don't want to do it. 
Do you have your best discipline that you can get back on task and you will not get distracted? That even though you're, you're tired and you're weary, do you have your best discipline? And then what we know about the fourth quarter is it requires your best decisions. See, decision-making in the fourth quarter is critical. In football, they have the two-minute warning. That's when there's two minutes left in the game. And during that two-minute warning, two things are going to happen. The offense is going to use their best plays, and the defense is going to use their best defense. But see, in the fourth quarter, you have to make your best decisions. I can't say I've made good decisions earlier in my life. I've got to make good decisions at the end of my life if I'm going to finish. And in the fourth quarters, when you need to have the best determination, because what you did in the first quarter is when you get to reap the results in the fourth quarter. So if we look at leadership as a football game, there's four quarters with a halftime squeezed in. The first quarter is about faithfulness. The second quarter is about the discipline to execute. Halftime is about learning and adjusting. The third quarter is about figuring out what you do best. And the fourth quarter is about, I'm going to finish, and I'm going to finish well. In your life, God's asked you to do something profound for him. But that is a journey. It's not a day. Being good for a day, that's easy. Being good for a week, that's pretty easy. Being good for a month, not as easy. But being good for a life, extremely hard. But I believe that if you're listening to this podcast, you're an individual who plays all four quarters well. Because you play all four quarters well, you're going to finish and you're going to finish well. So where are you at? Are you in the first quarter? Are you in the second quarter? You in the third quarter? You in the fourth quarter? Wherever you're at, win that quarter so you can get to the next one and win it. Thank you so much for joining me. Um, I know there's always new people who are are jumping into the podcast. Um, I have some resources like a book I wrote, Leadership According to 1 Corinthians 13. That book, Leadership According to 1 Corinthians 13, just really, really deals uh, with uh, the 15 statements of 1 Corinthians 13 and how they play out in a leader's life. It's a good book. I also have a book called The Laws of Increase. It deals with the seven laws in the Bible that talk about increasing, increasing your potential, increasing your effectiveness, increasing when it comes to giving and your generosity. That's a great book. You may want to go to our webpage and look at those things. And remember, I've got some podcasts coming up, and I just want to encourage you to uh, listen to the ones that are coming up, but also let other people know about it. And then the roundtables that we're going to have over the next month, uh, I'd love to see you at one. And if you listen to the podcast, come up and tell me. That encourages me that this is worthwhile, and I'd love that opportunity to put uh, your face to one of these podcasts where I know who I'm talking to. Thank you so much. 
Thank you for listening to the Gerald Brooks Leadership Podcast. If you'd like more information on Dr. Brooks's books, audio, or speaking engagements, please go to geraldbrooksministries.com.